Happy Advent and welcome to the Chris Stefanik Show. The next three weeks, as, as you enter the chaos of Advent and getting ready for Christmas and buying presents, I want to talk about how to ready your heart and really enter the joy of this season, claiming the grace of this moment that God has in store for you. We're starting this week with a focus on prayer. This is different than most of my shows. There's no interviews. I'm just giving a talk. Next week, I talk about how to share your faith. You want to go next level this Advent? Do what John the Baptist did. Prepare the way for the Lord. And the next week, uh, I'll be talking about how to serve God as he comes to us in the disguise of the poor and people who are in need in our lives. Roll with me these next three weeks. It's going to change your life. I'm going to lean into the stuff that I'm telling you with you. I don't just preach to you. I preach to myself. Now, if you're only listening to the show on my podcast, you've heard a lot of the content that I've done on prayer before, but we haven't done a video of this before. Uh, so you, uh, we're, we're re-airing this so that you get it in video form. If you're just listening to this in the podcast, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch it on there. You get so much more out of the experience. And then finally, Missionaries of Joy, there's a special gift for you this week. I'm going to talk about how to pray, but we're also going to release a video that you can hit play on every day through Advent that will actually lead you through what I'm about to tell you how to do to make this really simple for you. That's only accessible by our Missionaries of Joy. If you want to become one and not only get the joy of the extra stuff we provide, but the joy of knowing that you're helping spread this good work by funding it, go to reallifecatholic.com, click on Missionaries of Joy, make a monthly gift at any amount, and we'll put this, this beautiful prayer experience in your inbox and so much more. With that, let's talk about prayer. I'll never forget one time I was attempting to pray. My little girl Clementine was probably three at the time. She was sitting uh, right next to me at Mass, and I'm just trying to listen, trying to enter to the prayers, but she's just staring at me with the cutest face the entire time, just looking at me like this. And then I, I looked down at her, and she goes, You're my dad. Before I talk about how to pray, I've got to talk about the right attitude to enter prayer with, and that statement sums it all up. Sometimes we go into prayer wondering, am I holding my hands right? Is my disposition right? Am I concentrating? Am I in the right state of mind and heart? Those are all important things to, to think about, but the most important thing to think about is this. You're my dad. You're my dad. In fact, every time you enter prayer, every time you even thought about prayer, it's because your Heavenly Father who loves you thought of you first. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I love thinking about Jesus encountering the woman at the well, and he asked her for a drink. He asked her for water. And then he changed the tables on her, turned the tables and said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for a drink. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church summed this up so beautifully. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we might thirst for him. Every single time you thought of prayer, thought maybe I should pray, thought about going to church, it's because God was drawing you to himself. And, and prayer is your response to that. St. Therese of Lisieux, she said, for me, prayer is a burst from my heart. It's a simple glance thrown toward heaven. But you only give that glance because heaven threw a glance at you first. So listen to your own heart. Listen to the quiet of your soul. I'm going to beg you to do this because this world is so noisy. There's so much passing distractions in your life. And when you feel that restlessness inside, don't just reach for the nearest distraction on your phone. Maybe if you're quiet for a minute, you'll hear the voice of your father calling you to himself because he wants his child to come, come into his presence and say, you're my dad. Now, before I talk about how to pray in a way that's intimate, non-threatening, personal conversation with God, 
I want to talk about why you need prayer in the first place. Because I think sometimes we go through life not praying or saying, I don't have time for prayer because we don't realize how important it is. All right, no one would ever say, I don't need to breathe. I can make it through the day without taking a breath. Prayer is that important for your soul. It's like breath for your soul. Prayer is the, the, the way you tap into that power to become the person that you know you were born to be. I love this. This is from Galatians. It describes the fruits of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's inside of you and you're responding to His grace. When you live a life without prayer, you know what you're living without? You're living without love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You, you know, one of the biggest proofs for grace and the reality of grace is what you start to look like when you don't pause and, and spend time with God and spend time in silence. In fact, you can see this on, in society as a whole. People are praying less than ever before. And isn't the world becoming a place without love and joy and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? There was a study done recently in the, on the United States and, and, the, and the priorities people have and how we had these shared priorities and, and, and shared values as a country that kind of bound us together. Shared values like, like patriotism, uh, service, family, community, financial success. And this is back 50s, 60s. They, they did the study again and asked the same questions. They found that every single one of those values is not important to people anymore except the one financial success. This is what happens when people don't pray. We turn in on ourselves. So you want proof that you need prayer? Look at the world. Look at what's happening in a graceless world without prayer. So why do you need prayer? Because you need a life of grace. Tap into that grace of prayer. But you know, you also need prayer, and this one's not going to fall well on postmodern ears. You need to pray because it's the right thing to do. There's a natural sense of justice built into our hearts that we owe something to the source of all that is life. And this is why you go throughout every culture throughout history and you see religion, not just a vague sense of spirituality, but tangible expressions of what the Spirit says and points to, that, that we want to look for the source of all this blessing, the source of all life, and offer sacrifice and praise back to the source. That's right, that's just, that's fair. You go to, to Greece, Rome, you'll see temples and altars. You go to Hawaii, the people there didn't talk to the people in Greece and Rome. You see heiaus and ahus, temples and altars. Not only do people worship, but in the same way. The Catechism in the Catholic Church talks about how public worship, not just private prayer, but publicly getting together and worshiping, doesn't only fulfill divine law, that is the stuff written in Scripture that God commands, but natural law, the law in the human heart. There's a sense of rightness, of fairness in prayer. So how do you do it? Well, there's different types of prayer. One is, let's talk liturgical prayer. This is the prayer of the church, the prayer, the prayer that Jesus left us when he gave us himself at the Last Supper. And some people talk about, you know, Catholic prayer and liturgical prayer and the liturgy of the hours, and you guys are just going through the motions. I gotta tell you, okay, it is important to engage your heart and mind when you're sitting down for a liturgical prayer experience. But there's also something kind of awesome about being able to just go through the motions because sometimes I'm tired or sometimes I'm at grandma's funeral sitting in the front row of, of the church and I don't know how to mentally enter in. So I could sit down, buckle up, and the roller coaster is going. 
And there's an experience of grace that kind of does the job for me. It's a, it's a great mercy of God that he gives us that gift. So there's liturgical prayer, the sacraments. Then there's memorized prayers. Prayers like uh, the Jesus prayer, the, the rosary, all these awesome prayers that, that are found throughout the history of the church. And a lot of these things, like the rosary, it's like a mantra. You're saying the same prayer again and again. The prayers are from Scripture, but you're meditating on something more than the words you're saying as you meditate on these mysteries of, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And that kind of does the job for you, too. But then there's this, this third type of prayer, this personal dynamic interaction with God, this you're my dad kind of prayer, which I think is the foundation of, of having really meaningful, grace-filled prayer in any type of prayer that you engage in, is being able to have intimate conversation with God. And this is the kind that, that Catholics, that all Christians, as you're reading through devotional books, sometimes engage last because they make it too mystical. You almost think it's too hard. I, I want to help break this down for you in a way that's simple, that's not going to threaten you and that you could do every single day. So follow me here. How do you do this? First, prayer is a conversation. A conversation goes two ways. You speak and you listen. Especially if the person you're with is more important than you, you better stop and listen to what that person has to say. So how do we listen to God? Put up your spiritual antennas. What's he saying? Look for signs. I just saw a leaf blow across the street. Am I supposed to leave my boyfriend? No. Listen, God speaks to us in ways that we can understand. It's a sign of intelligence when a person who's really bright, it's a sign of next-level intelligence when he can dumb it down enough to have people understand. God, obviously, is the most, is the, well, he's, he's brilliant itself. He can talk to you in a way you understand. Where do you find his words? Black and white, written on a page. Your Bible. Open it up and read it. But don't just read it like a student studying a topic. Read it like a person who's entering a conversation, a dialogue. You know, one of the cool things about being a Catholic, the same readings are read every single day at Mass throughout the world. So today, they had certain readings read that were read in, in, in Los Angeles, Sherman Oaks, where I am right now, and in Akita, Japan. Same readings. Tomorrow, there'll be different readings, but it'll be the same throughout the entire world. Just Google to find today's Mass readings. And it walks you through the Gospels. It's little bite-sized readings. Or, you know, it, it, or you could just open up your Bible and just start anywhere in, in the Gospels. Everything that leads up to the Gospels is leading up to it. Everything after is summary of it and how to live it out. So the, the heart and soul of it's right here. And it's deep enough, I think Luther said this, deep enough for, for an elephant to drown in, shallow enough for a, a mouse to wade in. God meets you wherever you want to be with the Gospels. And as you read it, chew on it. Take time with it. Pretend you're like a wine connoisseur and you just were handed like this really expensive wine. I've seen guys at restaurants like shake it around. I have no idea what they're doing, but they look like they're really into it and they're, they're, they're getting the most out of this wine. Do that with the word of God. Put yourself there. Put yourself in the story. Engage your imagination. Engage your heart. How's it making you feel? Maybe you're kind of sleepy that day. Let's keep it real simple. What word jumped out at you? Go with that and ask the Lord, what are you saying to me through your word today? And just sit in there for a minute. It doesn't have to be profound. Don't put all sorts of pressure on yourself. Sometimes people don't go into this kind of prayer because they overpressure themselves. Don't do that. And then after you've listened to God, then I want you to talk to God from your heart. How do you do that? I'm going to give you a very simple acronym to break down how to talk to God from your heart. The acronym is ACTS. A, adoration. C, contrition. T, 
T, Thanksgiving, S, the stuff that you need. So let's go to the first one. And it's important to lay it out in this order because a lot of times you think talking to God from your heart is simply asking for stuff. And you might leave prayer more stressed than when you started because instead of remembering the presence and might and love of God, you just remembered your problems for a half hour. A, adoration. What is that? That's telling God how awesome he is. Adoration is a declaration of who God is and a reminder of who you are. And it's a reminder of his greatness that puts all your priorities and worldly sufferings and worldly experiences in their place. It's so important to start your day, to start prayer this way. I want to read a couple awesome quotes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church about what adoration is, because it's really beautiful. Adoration is the first attitude of man acknowledging that he's a creature before his creator. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us and the almighty power of the Savior who set us free from evil. Adoration is homage of the Spirit to the King of glory. Mm, how awesome is that? There's more quotes from here. This is beautiful stuff. Praise is the form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. And it praises, it lauds God for his own sake and gives him glory. In the glory at Mass, we praise you. We give you thanks for what? For your great glory. Not just for stuff you've given us, but just for how awesome you are. <sighs> just to sit back and appreciate that for a minute. It puts everything in its place. Actually, it really does put all of life in its place. Another incredible quote from the Catechism talks about that when we don't adore God, that we fall into, quote, endless disintegration. Disintegration. As opposed to being united in worship of one thing, we become dissolved and disintegrated, disintegrated, as we chase all sorts of false gods. Make no mistake, if you don't have God on the throne of your heart, mind, day, something else is occupying that space, and it's not as nice as God. <laughs> and it's not going to make you happy. So that's adoration. Another way to enter adoration, think of your favorite song of praise, and just, just give thanks to God. See. C is contrition. So you've just told God that he's awesome, and now you go to contrition, which is you telling God that you're not awesome. And looking through your conscience and life and examining yourself for your sins and saying, God, I'm so sorry. Now listen, this is really key. Contrition is not about beating yourself up. Scripture calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. When you think about your sins, if you feel beat down instead of built up, the wrong spirit is animating you. You see, the devil loves when we sin. More than that, he loves when we're convinced that we are no more than the sin we just committed. Because then we'll commit it a hundred more times. That's the real victory of the evil one. When you repent, you first have to remember you're coming to the presence of your God who loves you so much, who, who died on a cross. And listen, he loves hearing your songs of praise and your adoration, but he didn't die to receive those. He loves more hearing you speak your worst, most shameful sin because he died to take that off your shoulders. Let him. When you engage in contrition, when you say, Lord, I have enough confidence to not have to hide my sin, but I give it to you. <sighs> you know, that, that's not beating yourself up. That's the greatest joy. I think of St. Francis. St. Francis, the Franciscans, they were not known as the Franciscans at first. Okay, because that would be totally arrogant if he started this order called the Franciscans. That'd be like me starting a, a, a group of followers and calling them the Christopherians, right? No, no. They were called the penitents because they devoted so much of their time to penance, to repenting from the sins of their lives. They're also, St. Francis is also known as the, as, as the most joyous saint in heaven. He was, he's renowned for his joy. You feel it echo through centuries. Why? 
Because when he repented, he wasn't beating himself down. He was reminding himself, even now, even when I've messed everything up, even now, you're my dad. What a source of joy that is. I see it in my own relationship with my kids, that this love of me with my children doesn't depend on their perfect love for me. It's, it's dependent on my love for them. That's the foundation of the relationship. And they know growing up, you're not going to lose dad's love if you mess up. I, I had a fight with, a, with one of my kids. This happens in homes with teenagers. It was a low moment where he was just lost control of his mouth and he was just going on and on and on. And in a graceful moment as a dad, instead of blowing up on him, I just cut him off and I said, hey, I forgive you. He kept talking, I said it louder, I forgive you. He kept talking, I put my arm around him and said, I forgive you, buddy. He cried on my shoulder and said, I'm sorry, Dad. Guys, that's the cross. That's the beauty of repentance. Hey, I'm a messed up kid. I've noticed I'm your loving father. Contrition with the right spirit. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, as scripture tells us. Not a spirit of slavery. Is a joyous thing. So adoration contrition. T, thanksgiving. Some 1 Thessalonians 5. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is so powerful that I could probably talk for an hour on this, so I'll try to restrain myself a little bit. But listen, ingratitude, when we're not giving thanks and when our minds aren't transformed to be thank-filled minds, ingratitude is what takes over and it ruins everything. It ruins our relationships it ruins our chance of promotion because no one wants to bless and promote someone who's an ingrate. It ruins our mood. It, it, it keeps us stressed out and fixated on all the wrong things. We live lives of perpetual ingratitude. There's so much to be ungrateful for, so many problems in the world that are staring us in the face at all times. Unlike any other time in history, you have the ability to watch all the plans of the devil unfold all around the world in real time. All the time. I don't recommend doing that. God wants you to look at something bigger and better. I think of my own dad, who's a very wise man, and uh, he, he was falling into just constant ingratitude because he was watching so much news. And he was so upset by all the things going on in the world. And he realized it was happening in his spirit. A lot of prayer comes down to, look, look at your own spirit. What's going on? Become aware of this. And he started watching American news on a Japanese news channel. <laughs> <laughs> he realized, you know what? I, I, these people don't really care what's going on. They're not emotionally engaging me in it. They're not having me in a perpetual cycle of looking at negativity. They sum it up in five minutes and they move on with their day and so do I. But I'll tell you what, it's natural to fixate on what's wrong because of something called evolution. Your brain, like your spleen, didn't evolve to make you happy. It evolved to keep you alive. And the caveman who was good at staying alive was not also the caveman who was good at chasing butterflies. He was the caveman who was good at fixating on something that might eat him. He survived long enough to have lots of kids, and you're all watching me right now, generations later. So we fixate on the one thing wrong. Think about it. A kid going to high school might be watching me right now. There could be 2,000 kids in your high school. The only one you think of when you wake up is the one jerk who might be bullying you. The one, fixate. It's human nature. But there's also a spiritual and darker battle going on here. One of my friends is an exorcist. Hey, there's a day job for you. And he said, Chris, demons don't just want people to think what they think, but as they think. And there is not a single positive thought in hell. They want to replicate that misery in the minds of human beings. For the natural reason, for the supernatural battle, but also for the importance of what's unlocked when, when we give thanks, we have to be intentional about gratitude. What's unlocked when we give thanks? 
Oh my gosh, when you're a grateful person, people want to bless you, promote you, raise you up. They want to be around you. It preserves your relationships if you just say thank you to your wife all the time. And if you have a habit of saying thank you to God, you start thanking people around you. And you know what else? I don't want to fall into what might sound like prosperity gospel preaching, but God wants to bless you more. St. Therese of Lisieux said this, what most attracts God's grace is gratitude. Because if we thank him for a gift, he is touched and hastens to give us 10 more. And if we thank him again, with the same enthusiasm, what an incalculable multiplication of graces. I have experienced this. Try it yourself. You will see. Again, this isn't prosperity gospel. This is based on the idea that God is not an amorphous power, but an actual person, a personal being with a mind. Look, if someone's grateful to you, you want to bless them more. The same is true with Almighty God. Before you ask God for more stuff, thank Him for what He gave you. How do you do that? Count your gratefuls. Keep it simple, guys. And make a priority of that when you went to prayer. Frankly, make a priority of it every single day. I wake up every day, the first prayer I, I do, before I, I do anything else, I start counting my gratefuls right, right away. It's not complicated, and I have nothing eloquent to say before I've had my coffee. Thank you, Lord, for the blue sky, the work I get to do today, the people I will get to put up with today who will make me holy. Thank you for the feet running down the hall to interrupt me already because they're not going to be there forever. Thank you. Thank you. I start my day ready to be a blessing when I've, I've, I've focused my mind on what I'm grateful for. But I also want to challenge you in a special way, not just when you're sitting down for that focused prayer time, but throughout the day, when you are triggered to complain. Triggers are things that happen to you on the outside, cause an automated response on the inside. You can't control things that trigger, but you can control what starts to happen to you when you are triggered. One of my uh, friends is a Navy SEAL. He's been on 350 combat missions. And I asked him, like, Dom, if, if I heard a gunshot, it would trigger me to hide. What would it trigger you to do? He said, it would trigger me to go think, take a deep breath, flank the room, come at the sound from the side. I'm like, dude, that's not normal. I know. But it's muscle memory. Christian, you need a different muscle memory. Have a song of praise at the ready. You should look different from most people. Someone cuts you off in the traffic, do not wave one finger at them. Pick all five fingers up in the air. Let that trigger you to praise right there. Do this with the little things. It kicks in in the big things. And I've shared this story in, in other contexts, but I want to drive this home if you haven't heard this. Um, one of the worst and best moments in my own marriage. My wife is, a, is a, a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and that became very clear 10 years into our marriage that something was off. And then she began five years of healing and therapy. And during that time, I embodied everything that had hurt her as a man in her life. And in one of my lowest moments, I just found myself praying, Lord, why can't I just have a normal marriage? Of course, no one has one of those. <laughs> but because I, I was being honest with God, which is a key to prayer, but also because I, I, I train my spirit to give thanks so frequently. He broke in with his grace in that moment, and I realized people with a, quote, normal marriage will never know what it's like to have their wives have to walk through hell just to show up for you. I experienced a love that people who don't have that kind of cross will never experience from their spouses. And by the way, we're on the other side of that. No matter what you've been through, you can get through it, but you can't go around it. Hmm? Guys, gratitude preserved what matters most to me in my life in that moment. Because I could have just taken off if I, if, I, if I lost that perspective. See, God commands us to come and pray, not just because he wants to give us burdens on our already overwhelming life, but because he wants us to be happy. He loves his children. He wants them to be happy. Adoration, contrition, 
Thanksgiving, it's so powerful. Be intentional about it. And then finally, stuff. Ask God. Ask God for whatever you need. I love the scripture that cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. He cares for you. And St. Peter wrote that. And he, I think of him casting his nets. He knows what it's like to cast things into a sea. Just You don't see what's going what's to come. But you have this, this faith. I think Jesus chose fishermen for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is this optimism that can't be killed. There's only one more cast. There's something out there, right? Cast your cares on the Lord. Watch it fall into the sea of the loving Father's heart. When we do that, miracles still happen. Did you know miracles aren't a thing for the early church? I went skiing recently with a woman who had stage four pancreatic cancer and it went away after she prayed. She prayed at a novena for John Paul II's intercession. Gone. These things still happen. My own wife, after, after the delivery of our, our sixth child, uh, had, she had help syndrome. This is swelling in her liver, swelling in her brain, and she had, her postpartum got so bad, she, I, I could look at her, but she, it wasn't her. And she was becoming suicidal. She was not in her right mind at all. I had this holy dirt from Chimayo. Look this up. It's really cool. But it's these sacramentals uh, combined with prayer. The Lord put dirt on people's eyes. It's in Scripture, right? But I blessed her with this dirt and said a prayer over her. In that second, that instant, this wasn't like a half hour later. It wasn't the next day. Instantly, her eyes were like, I feel okay. Wow. God doesn't always answer in the way we want. Everyone does die. No one makes it out alive, right? But, and, and even the miracles he worked in Scripture were temporary. The people he raised from the dead had to die a second time. But I'll tell you what, he breaks in to show his power and his presence, and he would do it more if we would ask with faith. Ask him. Ask him. Ask him for peace in your heart, in your home, in your world. Even if the, the healing that you're asking for isn't granted to you, the healing of the Spirit always happens because every time you ask, you're opening yourself up to Him saying, Lord, you are Lord of this situation in my life. Father, let this cup pass me by. But if you don't, give me grace. Give me grace to get through it. He always answers that one. Adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, the stuff you need, and then have a conversation where you're, you're listening to His Word and letting Him speak to your heart. It's not complicated. If you make 15 minutes a day to do this, I promise you it will change your life. If you're saying you don't have 15 minutes, guys, you don't understand. Prayer is more important than, than breath. Listen to your heart drawing you to prayer. I love this from Psalm 27. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. And when you listen to your soul seeking his face, remember that longing is there because God is seeking yours. He loves when you sit by him and say, you're my dad.